Hello, and welcome to an all-new episode of Men and Women Talk, the Mars Venus Show. I am one of your hosts, Kente, all the way live from Los Angeles, California. And this is episode number 159, so that means our next episode is number 160. I am joined by the beautiful, the wonderful, the talented, the gifted, the uh, holy adjacent, Shannon Ford, like the president, Jefferson, like the president. How you doing? Hello. Live all the way not from L.A. How you doing? I'm great. I'm great. Look at you smiling. See, this is a Shannon I grew up on. The one that smiles. She got the earrings popping. She got that little glow to her. This is a Shannon I grew up on. This is a Shannon. So this is a real Shannon is here tonight. I like it. The real Shannon show up every night. Most nights she's exhausted. This is no exception. I am tired, okay? Women from Nebraska don't get tired. Sir. <laughs> There's no tired in Nebraska. I want to tell you what my week summary was for this one week alone. Mm-hmm. You, you wouldn't even want to have that conversation right now. Mm, okay. Well, I'm glad that you were here and joining us, returning champ. If we had like a belt that we yes, would give out sir. to uh, our champs that come on the show, this brother yes. would have it. Forget that Dos Equis dude. This is the most interesting man in the world. For real, man. I mean, this dude got cars. Uh, I think he does something with NASA or something. I mean, you know, I, I, I ain't going to be shocked if one of the days he's going to be posting from the moon or something. This brother, oh. man, got it going on. You know, you know when other dudes got to tip their cap to another dude, you know it's real. It's real out there in them streets. It's the one and only Brooklyn. What's up, Brooklyn? Appreciate that incredible intro, y'all. Uh, thank you. Thank you for having me. Good to see you guys. Yeah, man. You know, I always feel like always I always feel like when you come when you come through to the show, it's almost like I have this feeling like you're like, you know what, I'm going to I'm going to let my, you know, my wonderful life just take a pause and, you know, just be with common folk, you know, a little bit, you know, <laughs> and I appreciate that. I appreciate that. So thank you, man. Thank you. Um, I'm, I'm glad to be here. I'm honored. Thank you. All right. So let's talk. So this this program tonight is comes from the brain of my wonderful co-host. So I'll let her set it up and get everything kicked off. Well, let's just say this whole summer series is sponsored in part by me and Driscoll's Blueberry. <laughs> um, but um, today's topic um, happened um, probably by accident and now in light of all that's going on in the world. Um, so today's topic is black men and being vulnerable. Mm. Um, and we have many different areas in which men can be vulnerable. Of course, since we talk about dating and relationships, that's a big part of it. Um, but I think just with dealing with um, their emotions, um, unpacking the climate and culture of what's going on in the world, um, and especially when engaging in relationships with their counterparts, um, how to be in a relationship and still be seen as a man while being vulnerable. Um, so unpacking those things um, is important. Hmm. All right, all right. So, Brooklyn, how's your yes. week been going? Uh, well, um, 
it's been heavy, you know. Um, I try to remain even keel in life and mm-hmm. roll with the punches, but um, you know, there's so much going on, and I I don't really understand. I, I never understand black people who are unaffected by what happens to the people who look exactly like them. You know, um, empathy is literally being able to put yourself in someone else's shoes. Oh yeah. And, and it gets it gets easier the more familiar you are with, you know, with people, right? So, uh, just like in the '80s, it wasn't a a far stretch for, you know, black people in America to empathize with what was going on in South Africa. Um, So from where I am um, encouraged is the the cat's out of the bag now in America, right? Like, there are no more people who are like, hey, you weren't there. You don't know what Trayvon did to George Zimmerman. That those days are done. You know, we're watching a nine-minute video of someone nonchalantly with their hands in their pocket taking the life out of a black man while he's face down, hands behind his back. Many people yelling, you know, literally yelling to try to save his life, and three other police officers. Three, uh, three police officers killing him, and a fourth keeping the crowd back. Just, you know, um, just letting every everyone letting it happen. So, only the most virulent racists, only the biggest Klansmen on the planet, can look at that nine minutes of footage and say, "Yep, um, those police were justified," or "Yep, um, he was obviously resisting arrest," because. Mm-hmm. It, there is no context in which this needed to happen, right? Yeah. Anyone, any, any uh, 15-year-old high school um, wrestler in gym class knows where the carotid artery is and knows what it does mm-hmm. and knows that someone's going to pass out in seconds, right? Um, if you put your knee or you choke them. So... Every, every, it's all out of the bag now, and the, you know, we're not a I told you so people, right? People know that this has been going on for forever, for centuries, right? Yeah. And people know that, hey, look, um, I saw a woman with a sign the other day that said something like, every woman knows another woman who's been raped, but no man knows a rapist. Mm-hmm. I saw that too. You know, so, yeah, every, you know, a, a friend of mine, shout out to Jamal, he, he, uh, he put a story on Facebook about when he lost his innocence in that he was nine years old, he went to visit his cousins in Virginia, they gave him the pink water gun he had a pink and bl- pink and green or something water gun, and police locked their brakes up, hopped out the car, pulled weapons out on the nine-year-old. It's a pink water gun. 
right? Yeah. Like, what are the chances that um, a nine-year-old has a real gun, pink and pink? Right. You know? So, and uh, it starts that early. You know, it's never, it's never too early or too late to kill a black person. Right. Um, maybe when you're a toddler, but that's not true because you see them handcuffing toddlers and things like that, beating up black women while they're carrying a toddler. So there is no safe time. Right. Um, and what I have seen is the people who normally say, hey, um, we need context. Hey, we don't know the whole story. Hey, there's good and bad on both sides. Those people are having all the seats now. They're having Yankee Stadium full of seats now. Yeah. Th there is no argument for this, right? Just put your clan hood on if you think that this is a justified death, right? Um, the medical examiner who said, um, who said everything but asphyxiation. Right. Why is that person? Why is that person not fired? Right. right. Like. All four police need to be imprisoned. Um, the medical examiner needs to be fired. Um, who, whoever, whoever did not lock these guys up before, before protests and riots started. Uh, look, it's the the gig is up, right? Like, it's we're we're done. We're done doing this, right? We're done denying. We're done thinking it's all in black people's heads. Like literally, I don't know a grown black man who doesn't have a story, right? I mean, police have been full of, I have never had a blemish on my record in all my time on earth. Police have yeah. been pulling guns on me since I was a child. My brother's 10 years older than me. So I'd be with my brother, they'd pull us out of his car, put us on the ground, guns out, like, you think my brother was Nino Brown. So, and when you tell, when you tell people this, others, right, they're often like, hmm, I must be missing something. There's, there's got to be more to the story. Something else must have happened. Nothing else happened. But right. you, can ask, you can ask almost any, um, you know, you can almost you can ask almost any black American who's lived long enough and it happened. It happened in the teenage years. It happened and it wasn't like, oh, this happened while I was robbing a bank. No. This happened when I was going to school, when I was coming home, when I was minding my business. It happened. It happened in the teenage years. It happened. Oh, this happened. No, while you're lucky. Because you shouldn't have such a story. Um Kedra, did you uh Kedra? I don't think I'm thinking that she probably accidentally came in. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Sorry, Brooklyn. Oh no, that's that's what I was saying. But yeah. No, I, I 100% agree with you, man. It, it's you know, um it's interesting how I I was saying this just the other day like um on my Facebook I have black people and I have uh, people of other nationalities, right? 
So so when uh, the George Floyd stuff first happened, most of my black people on my on my uh, thread, um, you know, they were saying something about it, right? And then um, my Caucasian people were saying stuff like, "Oh man, I'm glad summer's here. I uh, can't wait for the mall to open up, you know, <laughs> and all of that kind of stuff, right?" And then the minute the riots or uh, they started happening. And then there was some looting going on. Then all these people who had nothing to say all of a sudden had all these things to say about um, people looting or whatever and all of this stuff. And it just it, it was uh, it's very interesting when people choose to um, speak up with, you know, when it starts affecting them in some sort of way, then now all of a sudden it matters. Right. Um, you know, you're following the wrong white people. Uh, <laughs> brainwashing of um of white supremacy mm-hmm. and the american system is is that uh money and property overall right like the ceo of targets made 17 million dollars last year mm-hmm. but people were on facebook and twitter and instagram upset because a target burnt down in minneapolis <laughs> that target is i'm not i'm not advocating burning targets down but that target is fully insured. Mm-hmm. It, it's fully insured, and it's probably being burned down by people who spend thousands of dollars in that target. Right. I'm, right. Not, I'm not going out. Let me tell you, I'm a grown-up. I'm not going out and burning down anything. No. I'm not about the property destruction. However, I also don't give a fuck that target burned down. Amen. Right? If you only care... If you're only discussing, as you said, Kente, if you are only discussing George Floyd's death, murder, I'm sorry, did I say death? Right, right. George Floyd's murder because a target burned down. And look, the, you're, you're, you're bringing shame upon George Floyd's name by burning down the target. Shut the entire fuck up. There you have it. If, Amen. That, if that is causing you to speak up, if you're putting your fucking Twitter fingers on on the keyboard because of the the quote unquote looting or the rioting, and you have nothing to say about the injustice that got us here, you didn't. You don't have anything to say. Like you said, that video was out days before this happened. Yeah. So. You didn't you didn't find anything disturbing about watching a man beg for his life, call for his mother, his dead mother. Don't and and look, maybe it's a coincidence that people have, that that people at work have been walking around me like I'm a, like I'm <laughs> a Washington Monument, right? Maybe 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 they do not want to engage. Mm. Um, you know, it, there's not a lot of jokes. People aren't uh, people aren't joking around me. Yeah. You know, in recent days. Mm-hmm. And and let's keep it 100 too. A lot of these businesses were were really failing because of COVID and other things. So a lot of people put lit their own place on fire too. Let's just be honest. Or a lot of them were happy 
because they got that insurance, that good insurance. So they weren't very sad that their business got. I'm sure there's sad stories mixed in there of people, but for the yeah, most part, I'm sure there's a mom and pop store and such. Right. Again, I'm not here for the destruction, but I'm also I've also been around the block long enough to not let the the tail wag the dog. You're not gonna get us off this set. Put all four of those police officers in jail. It's all been a four. long time coming. It's been a really long time coming. I mean, this isn't all even, four. this is bigger. This is the culmination of what all has happened to George Floyd. This is the culmination of what happened to Breonna Taylor. This is the culmination of what has happened to Ahmaud Aubrey. But this can go all the way back to 1944 when they executed George Kenny Jr. at age 14, accusing him of murdering two white girls. And when he got murdered, wouldn't let his parents come to the courtroom and then determined that, oh, he didn't do it. He didn't murder those two little white girls, age seven and 11. And only because their bodies were found behind his house, he mm -hmm. was accused of it. And because he was a black little boy. Yeah. And then the Emmett Till, how long did we have to wait to find out that white woman lied? Because she know good and well he didn't whistle with her. Because she's trying to get into heaven. So she's going to tell the truth when she's 90. <laughs> you know, all right. And that was, what, 1955? Right. Yeah, on that deathbed, yeah. So we are living in the overflow of dead bodies that were innocent children that mothers have had to bury this egregious behavior and now the world has caught up to it it's reminiscent of Mamie Till saying oh no y'all gonna see what they did to my son mm -hmm. y'all gonna watch and look at his ear missing and his eye socket pulled out because they mangled my son's body behind some white woman that he couldn't even whistle at because he had a list mm-hmm and we've watched the video of George Floyd, or we haven't watched the video of George Floyd, but we've had the conversations behind George Floyd. That's somebody's son, somebody's father, somebody's nephew, somebody's grandson. That's our brother. We didn't have to be related to him to feel the pain and the grieving of another life lost unnecessarily. White people can blow up buildings, shoot up churches, blow up schools and they get carried out. You get that McDonald's. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't understand. It. Yeah. It, it's, you know, it's, it's really interesting. I, I'm so glad. Like, I'll be honest with you. I watched this, what happened this weekend with a big smile on my face um, because I've been preaching this forever that, you know, quietly protesting did get you nowhere. I mean, you guys remember the Occupy movement? And uh, Occupy was like this big thing and all of that. And they just sat there and let them do their drum circles and then went right back to business. So, you know, um, you know, this is how you get people to, to really see what's going on. And, um, yeah, yeah, some people are going to get hurt in the process. But look, this country, wasn't this country founded on that? <laughs> you know? So, oh, what's up, uh, Anthony? Yeah. What up, though? All right. No. So, yeah, this is the, um, these are, these are, uh, I don't, what, Brooklyn left? Oh, okay, here we go. These are, these are the two Dos Equis brothers. Uh, so, uh, living, living that, uh, living that life. So, what's up? 
this conversation needed to happen. Yeah. Glad to see LA. you here, man. It's been a minute. What's up, LA? I, I re- you know, um, this week Trevor Noah said something that he said something about Amy Cooper, the the woman in Central Park, and mm-hmm. it's kind of it kind of bookends, right? First, you see, um, in a way that's never quite been illustrated before, right? You usually see the video start after someone has called the police on. Um, on a kid selling lemonade or bottled water or mm-hmm. on black people barbecuing or on a black police officer trying to enter his own apartment, right? But what Amy Cooper did to show to show the world, look, this is what happens to us all the time, mm-hmm. is um, Christian Cooper, well, first of all, the fact that they both have the same last name and they're unrelated um, is just a just a reminder, right? They're both named Cooper in part because some people in America used to own other people in America, mm-hmm. and, and that's how they got their last name. Mm-hmm. So, um, but anyway, this woman is a poster child for several reasons. Amy Cooper is. Um, an executive at a Fortune 500 company, mm, or she was. She's she's a she's a. The moment this happened, she was an executive, a, a, a copper spaniel owner, a uh, a New Yorker, a uh, a staunch Hillary Clinton supporter, a liberal Democrat, right? But the moment, uh, you know, a black man. He happens. You find out afterwards. But see, they don't find out anything about us, how educated we are until after we're dead, right? So, you know, you find out later this man is a Harvard-educated bird watcher on the board of the Audubon Society, and he knows the rules there because he watches birds there, you know? I, I'm, I'm an amateur ornithologist myself. I've loved birds since I was a little kid. You know, I've worked in aerospace since I was a teenager. You know, so it's it's something that you could catch me doing, right? I could be watching a um, uh, a, uh, a broad-tailed hawk, you know, or or a blue jay, right? So he says something to her. You know, the birds are here, and people have to have their dogs on a leash in this area because dogs kill birds. If you've ever had a dog or a cat, they're very capable of killing birds, right? So you cannot have, you have to have your dog on a leash. But this woman, this white liberal woman, this urban, this New York City woman, this Fortune 500 woman, this dog loving woman almost murdered her copter spaniel Henry, shout out to Henry, who's now in better hands, right? Almost murdered Henry, choking him, just because she didn't want to put him on a leash. How dare this black man suggest I follow the rules? And that's what people don't get. When you try to explain your experience as a black human being on this planet, people who have never lived a day, right? And they could be they could be married to a black person. 
they have never personally experienced this, what could happen to us on any Tuesday, regardless of our education level, our income level. Like, you're still black. So when, when there are black people who deny this, you know, and who pretend that it's, it's not happening, it's like, well, you're just a, you're just one angry state trooper away from completely experiencing your blackness. Amen. We started it. People, people said, wait a minute, it's really like this for black people? She, uh, she yeah. told him on video, I'm going to call them and I'm going to say an African-American man is threatening my life. It's it's like um, it's the cheat code. What is she like? A uh, up down up down A B start. <laughs> like I know how to get you killed. Down up down up down A B start. Yeah. yeah. What now? She know she knows. Like we could have been talking about Christian Cooper instead of George Floyd. They could have come and killed that man, and then it would have been like, oh, I didn't. I didn't know they were going to kill him. You didn't? You didn't? When the, when the dispatcher wasn't impressed with your story and you went full Meryl Street and kicked it up a few notches, <laughs> you didn't? You didn't know what would happen to him? Come on, Amy. Yeah. I'm going to take this moment real quick. Uh, Shannon, will you do a, a shout out and then I'm going to uh, say something and then we'll get right back into our conversation. We got Kiana, we got LA, we got Robert, we got Natasha, Marianne, Luke, and Haiti. Yes, 5449, Rico, we will, long time no see. And Bobby Hay. All right, and also Kedra is watching us on Facebook as well. And, and Andre was once in the room. Right. All right, so just to let people know, this week uh, we'll be on four days out of the five. The only day we're not on is on Thursday. I don't know if that's going to change or not. Uh, tomorrow I'll be joined by Boogie, you know, formerly of the uh, Elephant Room with uh, L.A. Wade. Uh, Wednesday I'm going to be interviewing uh, Enoje, uh, better known as Bish Funny, uh, who um, uh, is a comedian, and that should be cool. And then on Friday... We're going to talk technology with uh, Carlos Phoenix. So uh, that is, we have a full slate of stuff. And it's always going to be at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 Eastern, right here on um, Get Vocal, as well as, of course, we'll simulcast on Facebook. So before we continue this conversation, I want to ask you, Anthony, because I know you are enjoying your meal and you did get on the show. I really appreciate you for joining us live. How are you? How's your week been? Oh, it's been um tumultuous. Mm. Uh, it's been yeah, I mean it's it's had its. There was a point of I guess numbness. Intentionally so, because of I mean you get rhetoric thrown at you from all sides, mm-hmm. and. I do have to say that I appreciate the overwhelming uh, thoughts or even people reaching out, asking me that very same question, you know what I mean? Like, they're checking on me and genuinely, you know what I mean, showing concern and care and, I guess, regard for me, I guess, in, in this time. And because I, we all need it. 
but I, it also caused me to pause and think how we all need this constantly, you know what I mean? And it's unfortunate that it takes such a cataclysmic event for, you know what I mean, certain other people. Because there are people in my life who check on me regardless. Like, we're friends, and we're going to, hey, man, how you doing? I'm, I'm checking on you. I ain't talk to you in a minute or whatever's going on. So that's mm-hmm. not um, necessarily counting them in that equation. But then there are other people who understand the line of work that I'm in. That's an additional layer to uh, this whole scenario or these scenarios. Um, and it's just been the past day or two have been emotionally and mentally exhausting um, because I hear a lot of people talking and where I feel like they mean well I also know that the road to hell is paved with good intentions That part. and so it's difficult to really navigate through all of the I guess the, the well to doers and the people who are newly awakened Especially that, because it's difficult not to judge from a space. At one point, I was new, and I was, you know, had a lot of fire, had a lot of zeal. But having had to deal with these things, because I've been black all my life, <laughs> it's just like, I'm glad that you're finally joining the party. But now we need some, you know, I mean, you need some direction. I understand where you are, but it's difficult to have conversation with those people that are newly invigorated by these recent events. Because it's the power is not directed, the anger and the rage is not directed, mm-hmm. and it's even more frustrating that between them being new and where I am now, there still haven't really been any or many answers, many solutions, uh, or any major differences between how I felt when I was first waking up and how they feel when they're first waking up. And now that you know, I guess I've been cognizant of it for a long period of time. It's not much change, <laughs> and that's frustrating, and that's difficult, and it's a, it's just emotionally draining. Cause it's like, well, where, where do you go? I, well, I can understand the rage and people saying, "Burn the city down, burn the city, burn it, burn it down." But I also understand the opposite side. We're like, that's honestly not. It isn't. Is it the way? Because I had to really be honest with myself. Had these events not happened in several cities outside of Minneapolis. Would this, at the very least, indictment have occurred? We've seen far too many times where it hasn't, when it's just a knee, when it's just holding up a sign or a T-shirt. But now that it's become volatile, and it's not just us, there are those who are non-melanated who are also joining, you know I mean, these marches. It's like, why does it take them to join us for you to take us seriously? Why does it take for the city to start being dismantled for you to take us seriously? But then also realizing it's just, it's, I'm, I'm feeling conflicted. I, it, to, to sum it all up, conflicted, because people ask me, am I going to protest and march? I'm like, no, I'm not. I've done, I've been to far too many marches, far too many protests. And it's those, far too many of those things have happened. Um, when people mention Dr. King, but I find also the conflict with me is, Dr. King is always mentioned, but they never really talk about Malcolm X. Mm. And and there's, there is a, it's difficult for us to unite when there's so much divisiveness, not only from the opposition, but But within within our own, yeah, within ourselves. And I'm seeing it, it's, it's, 
it's hard to really wrap my brain around and it's hard to have discussions with certain people because I can't really be mad at you from where you are. But understanding where you are does not really get us further. But yeah. neither neither does where I am. So where are we at this point? Uh, and I digress. <laughs> you know, I find, one thing that's interesting is uh, both of you guys served in the military. And um, I've had conversations with those who've served who say, you know, because the whole thing about they say that uh, it's all about training and all of that kind of stuff. But if you're if you're overseas and you're on some sort of, you know, working in, in patrols and stuff, they have very strict rules about what you can do as far as engagement. And it's they don't play. ROE, the rules of engagement. Mm-hmm. Yes. If you, if you if you kill a civilian, right, you're done. That's it. You're that's your done, life. That's your career. Your is done, right? That's like, there's so many rules. You know, you have to go through these steps. They're like, they're firing at us, right? You have to be getting, you have to be in actual danger. Not the, not the level that uh, United States police officers have to be at, right? Mm-hmm. Police officers get to feel threatened, right? Yeah. If there, if if bullets are not whizzing by you, as a marine, you don't just start capping. You know, you don't just start shooting children. It, you're done. You're done. Your commander's done. You you see, you know, people getting relieved. There there's actual. I mean, they're war crimes. But in America, you know, that's why the that's why the the myth. The myth of black on black crime angers us so, right? Mm. Because it's not black on black crime, it's called crime. White people kill each other, Asian people kill each other, yep. Hispanic people kill each other, right? Mm-hmm. So it's just crime. And also, if someone, if someone, if, if Steve beats up or kills John, he has committed a crime against John. But guess what? Steve is not being paid by taxpayer dollars to hurt or kill John. Right. You're paying in, if you get killed by a police officer where you live, your tax dollars have gone to paying your killer. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. And, and let's, let's be honest. You expect, you expect a trained police officer, you, know, you expect a 16-year-old black kid whose dad let him borrow the car, you expect him to conduct himself and de-escalate the situation, a confusing situation, a nerve-wracking situation, you know? I had a conversation with a white colleague today, and and we were talking about the fact that, hey, look, when you get pulled over, you are hoping not to get a ticket. That is like the ceiling. Damn, they might give me a speeding ticket. I have never worried about getting a speeding ticket. I don't care if the ticket's for a thousand dollars. Give me the ticket now. Mm-hmm. The shorter this interaction, the better. Mm-hmm. Right? I am worried about living yep. through that interaction. Never know how it's going to go down. Right? 
I don't drink, I don't smoke, and I never have. You're not going to catch me in my car high. You're not going to catch me in my car drunk, right? If you catch me, you might catch me doing 75 and a 65. Give me the ticket or give me the warning or whatever. I'm going to be cordial. I've, I've, I've been here too many times, right? My, what I have to worry about, even now, right, after decades of driving, what I have to worry about is not the same as what my, all of my colleagues have to worry about or my fellow Americans have to worry about, right? And so, and as my man can tell you, you're, you know, there are, there are black people brainwashed in the military, but guess what? You can't wear that uniform 24 hours a day. <laughs> Same with cops. You, you're a black cop, that's nice. You can't wear that uniform 24 hours a day. And there are many police officers in this country that will already start punching you in the face or dragging you out of your car or whatever before you can say, hey, man, I'm a cop too, or hey, mm -hmm. man, I'm a U.S. Marine. I, yeah. I, as, I, as a maybe 20-year-old Marine in, in South Carolina, I was in South Carolina, stationed in North Carolina, and um, I had a cast on my leg. My boy was driving because I broke my leg. And they thought I did something at Myrtle Beach. I'm in my boy's car. And they drugged me out up through the window of the car. Cast on my leg. I'm like, hey. I'm like, listen, man. And cuffed me and everything. And before, you know, they found out I was a, I told them I was a U.S. Marine. You don't have that uniform on. You're just another big black guy. So the people who have, the people who are brainwashed enough to believe that, hey, man, it's it's sweet. It's not sweet. It can happen to any of us. It doesn't matter how much we serve our country. It doesn't matter how, how much money we make or where we live or what we drive or, you know, how much you donate to either party. None of that matters, right? And fun fact, bonus fact, kids, the worst treatment I've ever received in my life was from two black police officers in Washington, D.C., who promised to, quote, fuck me up. Oh, by the way, I was in the car taking my mom to Union Station, and they're, they're, they're telling me how they're going to fuck me up. And I'm like, this is my mother. I'm with my mother. Right? Like, because you could, you could threaten me, you could fight me, but I'm with my mother. You know what I'm saying? Why does Mrs. Taylor have to see and hear this? Why do you have to terrorize my mom? Right. You know, it's not like you're taking so, your mom to a crime. And, and, and only God could pull up in an Escalade and tell me that those two black men, those police officers, would have done that to a white man and his mother. Yeah. You can't. Because you can't show me an example of that happening. You cannot. So what Amy Cooper does and what George Floyd does is show America what we've all been living. The whole time. We all have a story like this. It's not special. I wasn't doing something unique to get threatened, to get my life threatened while I'm with my mom. I wasn't doing something unique to get pulled over by cops all the time with my brother when I was a child. It's not, it's not unique and it's not new. And those same NYPD officers 
punching black people in the face in yeah. parts of Brooklyn I come from, and, and the same officers handing out masks and politely asking white folks to, 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 to social distance when in, you know, when a couple miles away in New York City, that's what it is. That's why if you don't live the black experience, you can go, come on, man, you must have been doing something. You must have given him an attitude when he pulled you over. You must have egged him but on. Even with that. Nobody would act But like even that. with having the attitude, and that's the that's one of the issues that I was having the issue. You don't get to have anything. And it's like no matter for as many times as I've been pulled over, which hadn't been a, a whole host of, of, of pullovers, but it's like every stop, fear courses through my body. And it's like, and I'm not doing it. There are times I've gotten pulled over legitimately maybe three times because my my insurance wasn't correct or something, or I was speeding one time. But even with that, just a simple speeding ticket, the last time I got pulled over was on some bullshit. I'm, I'm in Atlanta, on the west side of Atlanta. I make a right turn on a, at a red light. The cop has already been behind me. I already feel it happening. I see the cop, a couple cars behind me. But I make this turn, they make a turn, get separated by another car. They hit their lights. Oh, you know why I stopped you? Because you made a turn where it said no turn on red. There was no, there is no such sign at that light. And I didn't make any turn for several miles before that. That's the first turn I've made. So you find any reason to make up anything. And I have to sit there straight facing you know, that the entire thing that I have to do to try to preserve my life is now no longer, or not even now, but it's no longer even enough to preserve my life. My compliance is no longer enough for me to continue to live. So I can't be black and drive. I can't be in my car. God forbid, God forbid I want to smoke a cigarette because I'm stressed the fuck out because the coppers pulled me over, Sandra Bland. Now I got an attitude. I can't have an attitude. I can't sleep in my bed um, and protect my own home, Breonna Taylor and her boyfriend When I, with these people bursting in my house and I have no idea who they are. I can't run, Ahmad. I can't be outside playing, Tamir Rice. I can't I can't be stressed out. I can't be mad. I can't sleep. I can't breathe again. Only thing I can do is die. Out of all of these situations, like all the things that I cannot, what can I do? Then it's like there's no recourse. It's It would appear that there's no recourse. Now, there are systems, ways to fight the system within the system. But honestly, we're nowhere near unified enough to even take advantage of those those opportunities, no matter how many times those things are, are preached. And that's not even say to guarantee that it will happen that way, because what is lacked is the, edu the education on how the system actually works. And that's not being given to us. And even the resources are hard to find. It's like searching for the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. So it's like, well, you go in here, you know, you're able to profit off of the marginalized people, but you don't want to take care of, even psychologically, like, would it make sense to want to take care or preserve the people that you're profiting off of so you can continue to profit? But you don't even think that far ahead as far as business or intelligently. So it doesn't matter. It's like and, and all of it based out of what? Fear? Out of conditioning? How we get the, how you get the conditioning? What made you believe that just because I'm six foot two, six three, two seventy, two hundred seventy pounds of black? that I'm a threat to you. I'm minding my business. I'm walking down the sidewalk. Why are you clutching your purse, Karen? I don't want that. And even if I did, you really think that your old ass is strong enough to keep me from taking that purse? Stop. Like, what are you, you are you really thinking about what's going on? I'm walking across the street in Buckhead, 
15 years old, I have enough time to walk across the street to make it to the sidewalk. However, the white lady in her BMW decides that she doesn't like me walking across the street and speeds up in this parking lot attempting to hit me. I, why do I have to scurry across the street because you feel like I don't belong here and I'm just trying to go in the ace way out on the hardware? Why am I getting pulled over because you think I didn't have my seatbelt on, but that's not really what the cause was. She was hoping to catch some drugs, me drunk, or whatever is going on, but all of my papers are legit, and I still got to be afraid when you pull over because I don't know what your attitude is, how you, if your day was a good day, if you didn't want to be at work that night, or if you got the wrong patrol car, or whatever it is, and all of this on top of the fact that there are times that I work in a law enforcement capacity, and you're right, I cannot, I don't have this uniform on me 24-7. I have my body armor in the back, with my identification and all that hanging in my hanging from my rear view. But none of that matters until afterwards. There's a video out now where an FBI, a black FBI agent is racially profiled by some city cops. Mm-hmm. And he, at this point, is really sinking in how they profile him. And he's like, well, no, I'm not under arrest. Like, what are you doing? Oh, you, look, you think you might have a warrant. How do you, you think? that don't sound like probable cause. <laughs> that doesn't sound like any anything that anything that you are or you operating within the confines of the law that you were sworn to uphold and protect mm. or to enforce. Uh, but I think you gotta you gotta warrant not knowing until they pull his wallet out and pull out his car that he's an FBI agent. Oh, now you're apologetic. Now you don't want to get in trouble. Oh no, I want your supervisor. I need your names. Your supervisor. Get everybody here now because. Why does it have to continue to stop? You're not out here in Buckhead stopping these frat boys from doing it, you know, I mean, whatever right. the case is. You're not out here in, in Savannah stopping these uh, tourists and these white people who are living here with the money because you don't want to mess with the money. They got money to or resources to attain legal counsel and run you in the department under the mud. But it shouldn't have to take human decency is almost a mythical being. And it's maddening. It's saddening. Like I'm sitting here fighting tears because it's like, what the fuck do I do? What the fuck do we do? How do we continue to go past, get through this? And how do I continue to work in a law enforcement capacity where I was taking people to jail? Because yeah. I'm not even safe on that side. Not at all. You don't know. You don't know that's what it is that I'm doing. And even say something should break out and I am at work. Well, I got on a uniform. You don't care if I'm APD or any of the police department, or if I'm a bounty hunter, or whatever it is, I am now the, a threat to both sides. I'm black, and so I'm a threat, and now I'm in a law enforcement capacity, so now I'm a threat. Where do I fit in this whole in this whole day? And it's like, man, I just want to stay in the house. I don't want to go outside. Yeah. Mm. So you this is part one, real quick, Kente, and I want to say this because they actually have put two topics together. Um, our week, our next week topic is actually the cost of being male and black in America, and y'all have single-handedly covered being vulnerable and that topic in one conversation. So we're gonna do a part one and a part two of both of these things, and we'll revisit this conversation next week as well because there's so much to unpack. Um, just the meat and potatoes of the mental trauma the physical and burden that we have to carry day in and day out. We don't get to do anything but black by everyone else's standards. And that comes with labels like criminal and thug and animal. Yeah. There's nothing yeah, good. And, and those, are, those are all whistleblower terms. 
right? Absolutely. When you see when you see um, when you see people at the highest levels of government, you know, using words like thugs and animals, it's it's just a whistle blow to to racist to like, yep, that's who we're talking about. That's who we call thugs. That's who we call animals. That's who we call you know savages. Um, that's 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 just what it is, right? When uh, we are people are brainwashed to put property over life. Yeah. So when you say when the when the looting starts, the shooting starts. Um, that harkens back to some you know crooked racist sheriff in 1968 in Miami who used to say that to scare people. Um, as I said at the top of the show. I'm not for the looting. I'm not cheering that on. I don't believe in that. Yet, it's still property, right? I'm a car guy. I got a lot of cars. In in my state and in most states, I can't shoot somebody because they're stealing my car. You know, I'd have to shoot some... If someone was, you know, if my niece was in a baby seat, you know, and you try to steal the car, I have to hurt you. But... If you're just stealing a car, you can take it. I've, I've got the cars are insured, everything I own is insured, right? Um, and that's what it's doing before. And that property stops short of legal, right? You know, um, if someone is putting another person's life in danger, then you then you can step in and use lethal force to try to save someone's life, right? Yeah. You, you see a man on the street walking by and a man is choking the life out of his wife, you, you know, you can, you can get him off of her, right? You can't be like, oh, this guy's jogging in the neighborhood and we heard some place got robbed at some point. So we're going to confront him with guns. That's not legal. Um, I want to give a, a quick shout out. Uh, my nephew just came in the room, uh, Prota, uh, you. Thomas, you've talked to him recently, Shannon. Oh, Thomas! Hi, Thomas. So, big shout out to my oh, nephew. Phone call, Thomas. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I, now, now you said you had something to say, Thomas. I can step down. Uh, hop in, uh, Thomas. Don't let the hostess. Step up. I'm gonna step out. Let Shannon come back in there. Hello, how you guys doing? Pretty good, pretty good. What's up, man? Hey, hey, Shannon. Hey, Hawk. Uh, what's your name, sir? Uh, it's Anthony. Yeah. Hey, how you doing? Hey, um, I got some real, um, inline information really about what's really, really going on. Okay. Um, as far as, and it's been broken all the way down to as far as, you said you were a police officer, right? I, I work in law enforcement, but I'm okay. not a police officer. But you work in law enforcement, right? So right. You, you, you do carry that star, right? Right. Okay. Um, even down to the information about your star uh, having uh, Pizzagate symbols on it. Okay. So... Um, there's a young, there's a young dude. Um, I don't really tell too many people about this guy because 
the way that he he uh, relays his message. He's a young cat, 26 years old, about to turn 27. He's been incarcerated at least three different times, um, but he's always been one of those that that's been for his people and been for the people. He's uh, pro-righteous, so he's really not. He's all about just what's right. But um, he just released everything as far as who's um, in control, who's doing what. Um, and it's, it's real deep. It's real deep. But the young dude name is Young Pharaoh. Um, oh, yeah, you can, Young Pharaoh. I know him. Um, he actually broke it all the way down. I, I believe this is a dire emergency for us to get this out to everybody because everybody knows that they do want to start a one world order and all you need is America to go ahead and initiate it and the way that we're going we're getting ready to to see the movie great uh what is that great uh great state that the uh the uh the film the the director um started doing a film uh released a trailer and him and his wife were killed in 2015. Him, his wife, and his daughter were killed in Minnesota in 2015 because he wanted to release this movie and it's darn near dead on to what's going on right now. You're talking about predictive programming. The initial name was, uh, I believe right, was Gray State. Hmm, So I have to look into that. um, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get this out to everybody that I can. Um, I would like to post a link to where everybody can at least look at it. Just give it, just give him at least 30 minutes. And I guarantee you're going to want to watch the rest of it and everything else that he's ever put out. Uh, this young brother is, is I'm 34 years old. I'll be 35. I'll be 35 soon. And I don't really listen to too, too many people younger than me. Um, and my uncle can tell you that, um, so for me to have the utmost respect for this young brother, I believe it is intuitive for everybody mm-hmm. to check it out. Mm-hmm. And that's all I have to say. Um, I will be putting his info um, in the uh, chat and people can do what they need to do with it. And hopefully we can wake up this nation and get everything back on track and get these deep state people out of there. All right, I'll check it out. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, Tom. Yeah, yeah. right. And I'm gonna continue to watch. All, <laughs> All right, right now. Thank you so much. No problem. All right, it's my nephew. All come right, come on, Brooklyn. Come, come back, Brooklyn. Yeah, I, yeah. I'm very familiar with uh, Young Pharaoh. And it's very interesting stuff. So, Anthony, and while Brooklyn's coming back to his seat, um. So since we're talking about being vulnerable and we're talking about the cost of being black and male in America, how do we have these conversations with each other so that we continue to hold safe space for each other? Because some of us are in relationships or we have loved ones who we check on and we need to have these deep conversations with. We know some people need to sit still in how they feel, but some people need that safe space held for them so that they can vent or they can cry or they can do whatever they need to do when they feel the way that they feel. I think it's definitely going to be twofold for the person or the people that need the space to be held. You know what I mean? Sometimes it's space that you're going to have to take. 
you definitely gonna have to seek it out. You know what I mean? Like your partner, your family, or like whoever it is that you're you're with, you may have to be the the initiator of their conversation. I've been fortunate to have several people who I can, you know, energetically feel that they are genuinely concerned more than just a surface level conversation and, you know, want to know what it is that I think or how it is that I'm feeling. Um, But then also identifying those people that just aren't able to do that so that you don't necessarily uh, put yourself in a position of feeling neglected or, you know, unheard and and things of that nature. But I feel like for those who are genuinely concerned, it's just really just holding that holding that space, opening in the floor for that dialogue. And it can mean something as drastic, as simple as, hey, I'm checking on you. How you doing? You know, how's your heart? How's your head space? You know, how are you feeling? And it could be something even more drastic as in, I'm turning everything off, phone, television. There's nothing. This is, I want to talk to you. And let's really unpack and unload these layers of what is going on things from what i see paying attention to the people that are around you and how they're behaving whether or not they're withdrawing more uh you know i mean allowing them to be vocal or at least creating the opportunity like hey i just being i guess persistent on i want to talk to you about this i want to know how you truly feel because it's absolutely important and i think it'll help alleviate some of the some take some of the edge off of just yeah. everything that's being felt because it's it gets overwhelming you get with everything all the information that's being thrown back and forth whether it be uh the news media and the the, the perpetuation of the propaganda the fear mongering or if it's the conspiracy theorist and you know i mean while even some of those things have some validity to it it's not the time and place all the time to try to get into you know whatever conspiracy and okay you got the knowledge but where's the wisdom? Yeah. No, okay, I, you, you're telling me this now, you know what I mean? But I need to make sure I'm surviving on a day-to-day basis. Like, that is something I don't have immediate control over. So let's identify what we have immediate control over, what we can affect immediately amongst each other, within ourselves, and really taking the time to, you know what I mean, not be so caught up in the idea of getting back to normal because this shit ain't the normalcy that has been we are looking forward to no longer continue. And so creating this space to be able to manifest and manufacture a normality that is, I guess, culpable for your immediate surroundings and then figuring out how you can actually get involved versus just riding the bandwagon of, you know, the rhetoric of rage. Because I I see a lot of that too. You know, Definitely as a black man, you, you go through a lot of different emotions, right? Um, you you want to be that, you want to have that warrior spirit, right? When you need to have it. And it takes a toll on you uh, in a lot of ways. It takes a toll because um, you're not always the most employable person, right? If you, uh, if you had that warrior spirit, you know, you had that masculine energy, right? Um, and also, life kicks you in the butt. Right. Yeah. And, you know, it's like when you skin your your knee, you can't cry. Right. <laughs> you got to suck it up. Right. You but sometimes. But sometimes, though, you want to cry, you know, because it should hurt, <laughs> you know, and it, it's a it's a it's a tough it's a tightrope. And then you hear things like, you know, guys, you ever heard this one? Oh, you in your feelings. 
<laughs> you know, you being emotional, you know, or stuff yeah. like that. As if men cannot have feelings. <laughs> right, right. That's a, that's a catch-22 because um, any masculine man has had women tell him things like, well, I'm just going to say what I've been told. You know, you, you seem as if you don't care or you nothing bothers you. Mm-hmm. You got to gotta I feel like people need to make a decision right you either want men to be completely unbothered <laughs> or you want us to share our feelings but if you're hearing that you know um, if you're hearing that hey nothing I, I, I have a theory about men and women right it's not a theory we're like uh, the lighthouse we're supposed to stand firm. Our woman may get emotional. There, you know, the waves are crashing. She may be super happy. She may be super sad, right? As a man, I cannot waver with those emotions. I need to be a calming force. I need to be a strong and steady force. I, I don't need to be a brick wall. I don't need to ignore that you're going through something. But I need to be there as a steady comforting force, right? If you come home upset, because someone pissed you off at work or because something bad happened and I'm upset and we're snapping at each other, that's unhelpful. You know, that that energy, the yin and the yang exist so that we can, you know, we can have that polarity. That's what makes it great. That's what makes it exciting. That's what makes it even peaceful. Um, so, you know, we have to pick something. We, we Yes, we should be... We should have feelings and share them, mm-hmm. but you know we can't. Um, for me, anyway, I can only speak for myself. I cannot, I cannot become a mess. I cannot become unraveled. I cannot become, um, you know, because that that's where it tiptoes, right? A woman's telling you that you're in your feelings, or or poking and prodding to try to get you upset. And now everybody's upset and, you know, people are yelling and screaming and that's, that's not the way of the light. Absolutely. And let me just interject as a woman, because what I hate to see is women tell men that it's weak to show your feelings, to be emotional, to be human, not just a man, but human. You hurt, you cry, you anger. But you also have other emotions, sadness, frustration. Insecurity at times. Insecurity. And so the onus of the who can cry and who can grieve and who can um, stifle the spirits of, of, of just sadness, it's not just women. And we have got to do better. I know for me, I make it my mission to uphold both black men and black women to the light of goodness. And wherever you are in that, whatever your need is in that moment, if I am not gonna offer you a safe space, what am I in your life for? If I'm gonna condemn you for feeling the way you feel and showcasing that raw emotion that is an extension of your overwhelm, because right now even our overwhelm is overwhelmed we have to allow you to feel 
regardless of how you feel. There's nothing wrong with you feeling. Some it's not weak. You're not insecure. You're not less than a man. You are whole. And we can't be indifferent about it. We have to be on the same page with you in your feelings. And in your feelings is not a bad thing. We make things a bad thing. Because so, if we're in our feelings, or oh, we get offended if y'all say it to us. So why wouldn't y'all get offended if we say it to y'all? We gotta be better. And that's why we challenge in Mars and Venus. That's why I make it my life work to have conversations with black men and black women about relationships and vulnerability and authenticity and transparency of self because we don't do it enough. We don't love on each other enough. We don't bear each other's burdens enough. We too busy doing what the world is doing is tearing each other down instead of loving on each other. I can look at you and say, I love you black man, but if I can show you without using my words, by standing in the space with you and letting you feel what you feel without judgment or condemnation or belittling your manhood, that's the beginning of something healthy, whole and nurturing to the relationship. That's where we can let down our guards and heal our inner selves from past hurts and hangups. And this is a call to everybody watching this live or in the future. If you are not standing in a space for other people to feel the way they feel, like I said on the live three days ago, you are not the ally to that person. You are an enemy and you need to back the hell up and let somebody else be in that space. Understand? Yeah, a lot of, I mean, a, a lot of guys, a lot of guys, they, a lot of guys will step out of their relationship to be with someone they can feel like they're more vulnerable with, you know what I mean? So, and you shouldn't have to do that in a relationship, right? You shouldn't have to. Is there a scientific name for that, Kente? Uh, asshole's disease. But, uh. <laughs> is, there, is, that, is there some kind of, uh, is there some kind of, uh, mistress comforting, uh, so hey, look, some some that's what some side piece do. You know, they they're 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 like a psychiatrist, a uh, side piece psychology. Yeah, you know. I mean, I, so I mean, to keep it a buck with you, when I was married, I did that. Yeah. And it was a thing of like I I couldn't express myself even well before I got married. My whole desire, we're gonna be talking about vulnerability, was to be vulnerable. Like I wanted to be able to put down all the armor, all the weapons, all the facades, the masks, and I wanted to be known intimately, you know, just to a point to where, you know, I mean, not a situation where that's you gotta read my mind. But I'm like that that's what I wanted. But I couldn't I couldn't really it was it's it was a difficult place to get to, not because of my own conditioning, but also just the generalized societal conditioning between the both of us of saying like you can't be this I can't up until recently like I said I'll be 37 next month the only woman that had seen me cry was my mom and the last time she seen that happen I might have been 14 mm. between then and now this year is probably the first time I've actually shed tears since I was 14 because of you know I mean having to just compile expectations and conditionings of one soldier mentality yeah you scrape your knee cry throw some dirt on it walk it off suck it up and drive on 
you got to keep moving you know what i mean adapt and overcome and that's generally the mentality that i've maintained and while it was a patch a band-aid you know what i mean uh a, a small pacification it just was not sustainable because at the point where i began to unravel and it was having all of these different thoughts and didn't really know how to express them or who to express them to and when i attempted to express them to my my partner i got i got they shook the back they showed it and it's like well man like you're supposed to be i'm in a relationship with you i'm supposed to i thought i was supposed to be able to come in a lotus to you but you don't even know how to handle me being vulnerable because you don't you would never experience that so you don't even know where to start in receiving or creating the space to allow me to be that type or to, to express myself in that person so it's like i don't want to i got to go out and up to a certain point it's like i got to go out in the world on a daily basis and fight for my humanity and also fight for my manhood i don't want to come home and now have to fight you to maintain both of those things but it's even more difficult it seems like now because we're both fighting for our lives and our humanity and then to come back and we still you know fight each other and un, are unable to you know what i mean drop the veil or to to put down the arm it's like nah i want to know that the, there are common misconceptions that i feel like are divisive within the relationship between relationships of black men and black women where they say women are uh want are looking for security well, men are looking for the same thing. I need to be secure in you as well. Absolutely. I need to be secure to know that you not only have my back, but you got my heart. And that's even more important. And, you know, like my back can get scratched up or whatever the case is, but my heart can't take that damage. And I don't, I don't need to be in a position where, you know what I mean, I'm either falling apart because you know, I'm unraveling or my heart is so cold now I don't even know how to tap into my own emotions to identify with myself to be able to display it or share with anybody else and so those things I I still desire because I need to get a lot of this stuff off you know what I mean <laughs> and I think the entire black plight is carrying around not the entire but a large part of it is suppression and carrying around those things that we're told not to talk about. It's only here recently that we've been talking about uh, that mental health and mental health awareness, especially in the black community, is a thing. It's almost it's almost faddish how much how much of it is a thing, but it's still still relatively new. And people are so stuck in their ways, so have been inundated with suppression so long that they don't even know how to start to let that to let any of that go. I'm going to tell you a quick story. Um, since my nephew's here, he'll know who I'm talking about. I'm about to break a confidence on the radio or whatever, the Internet. So uh, I guess I'm a jerk. But uh, anyway, so uh, so I have a friend, a, a guy I know who does work for me in this neighborhood. Uh, he's known as Psycho Mike, right? He's an ex-gangbanger, crazy dude, right? So I had a... Uh, I had a... Uh, um, a rescue dog a couple of years ago. Some of you guys might remember. And um, I had him only for a short time. Uh, his name was Clinton. Uh, he was a, um, he was a um, uh, chihuahua, right? And uh, he was sick. And I was probably stupid for taking him in because of all the healthy dogs, I picked one that was, you know, wasn't going to be here long. But I enjoyed the short time I had with him. So, so he got sick. And it was really sad, and you know, and then he died, right in you know, he died in my home. And it was just me and Mike was there, 
and we've watched him take his last breath. Right. And it was really sad. Right. And Mike, the tough dude, you know, been to prison, all of this stuff, cried like a baby. Right. Just cried like a baby. And when they came and got him, he was just tears was coming out. You know, I was sad, too. I didn't cry. But I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. And he did not want me to tell nobody that he cried. Like he literally he was like, don't tell nobody that I, I cried like this. I'm like, dude, I mean, it's a sad thing. It's not a, it's not a, you know, it's not a, a, a bad thing, but he was, he was so worried about the perception of him that he didn't want people to know that he cried because a dog died, you know? So and why I, are you telling us, Takashi? Huh? <laughs> oh, why am I, why am I, uh, busting? Well, you guys don't know him, so we good. Uh, but, uh, uh, no, but it's just interesting though, that, he obviously needed to get it out. It was fine, right? But he was, you know, but that's just how we are as guys, right? We're so worried about the perception of, oh, he cried, you know, you you know, uh, whether you crying because of, uh, obviously, because uh, um, people can kind of understand when um, it's a family member or something like that. But, you know, sometimes you can have an emotional moment with, uh, you know, like a, a dog passing or um, or something like I, I since my father's passed away, I'll watch something on television and it'll be about a father and a son. And before it didn't hit me emotionally like it does now. Now I'm like, you know, I'm like, you know, <laughs> trying not to, you know, to, you know, uh, it's just funny how things change where all of a sudden that you don't have that um, armor or whatever it was, you know, is not as strong or maybe not. So you never know how things will affect you in a certain way. And it's okay. But we're all, we're all operating off of buildup, right? Like our every reaction, even if whether it's a calm reaction or an extreme reaction, our every reaction, you know, if you yell none of your business at somebody, that doesn't come out of nowhere, right? Mm. Like, that person has asked you too many questions. You're not cool like that. Like everybody has had this this situation. You're at work or school, and someone says something to you. They might make a little joke, whatever, right? If if Don says it, you're gonna bark on him. If Joe says it, you're gonna like whatever, like whatever, Joe, right? Like we all react differently to different people, and you know when. Psycho Mike was crying about the dog. Who knows how many years or decades he's had to be tough and not feel through an emotion. And in that moment, he's like, yeah, this dog died and I'm sad, but it reminds me of everything else I've been sad about that I couldn't cry about in that moment. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's so real. Yeah. It almost made me cry. Why seeing him cry? We all have to deal with we all have to deal with these things. And it's just like when people when two people get in an argument, um, we've all had this experience. And someone brings up some old shit and you're like <laughs> you know, uh what is the saying? It's something like, um the axe forgets, but the tree remembers. <laughs> you know, like if you if you hurt someone's feelings, right? Um, you know, you take a beautiful woman like Shannon. There's dudes that she went to high school with that are, that, that are, you know, 
on Twitter right now, you know, saying stuff because Shannon hurt their feelings. Shannon doesn't even know she hurt their feelings. Right. Right. I'm sorry. But sorry. But that's what it is. You know, um Heartbreaker. People feel excited. Uh people go through emotions and when you feel like you can't um I mean that's why we have these incels killing people because a girl that they never hollered at didn't want it like you don't even know she didn't like you you literally never hollered now you're shooting up your school you didn't even shoot your shot but you're shooting up the school right that part. right that part i've known i've known guys who were maybe not necessarily incels but they'll be mad at a girl that they never even attempted to hook up with because they're with somebody. It's like, dude, you never try. Never <laughs> she try. don't even, she probably don't even know, or she might know, but you ain't said nothing. So she's like, whatever, you know, it's crazy. Man. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like, um, <laughs> then I come, <laughs> I feel like, I feel like, uh, I feel like, people have this thing where stuff builds up and it, and any tension that builds up has to eventually get through. Yeah. You know, sometimes in positive ways, sometimes in very negative ways, you know. Um, people get really creative, artists, poets, authors, people get really creative, um, you know, around unrequited love and things of that nature, but, you know, but you should, in this life, uh, you know, it's like a, life is, life is a limited time offer. Mm-hmm. You know? I, I mean, put it on a t-shirt for I steal it, Brooklyn. I'm glad you didn't say life is like a box of chocolates. Put it on a t-shirt. <laughs> you got 30 days. If I don't see them t-shirt, it's mine. But, um, you know, and, and so those people living in regret never shoot their shot. They never, um, they never try to follow their dream. They let their parents or some guidance counselor from high school or someone who doesn't have authority over your life decide you know, decide if it's good or bad. I mean, you got to ignore all that. But what it takes, what you need is people to be vulnerable with and around, right? Yeah. Um, you might be in a position where you have to be tough. We all have to be tough just to survive this life. Um, but if you can't, you know, if you make the mistake, and like Free was saying, if you make the mistake and actually marry someone, that you can't be vulnerable with. Ugh. That is an egregious mistake, right? Like, um, because you, everyone needs someone, you know. Yeah. Uh, as a, as a man, there are there are you want to avoid you want to avoid uh, constantly whining or upset, being upset or whatever. The, but, but that's what you're also your you got to have a group. I think guys are pretty good at getting a group of people. Um, not necessarily like-minded, but I like to have friends that are different because that way, when I'm when I'm saying something crazy, they have 
the distance and perspective to be like, bro, no, <laughs> that's that's not right, you know. But when everybody is like super like minded, then they're like, yeah, let's 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 do that horrible idea. You don't need that. But yeah, it, it's it's tough to be vulnerable because, you know, you when when you're vulnerable with people, and um, and you share your uh, innermost frailties, you know, um, and you have a close friend like Kenty that tells a million people live that you cried. Everybody knows now. Over his dog. Everybody knows. Everybody knows. I can't wait Everybody to sh- I can't wait to show him so he can be totally mad at me. Cause that's a mess. Hey man, it's been like three years, so this is a three year uh <laughs> moratorium. That's that's the limitation of uh secrets. Right. You got three years, bruh. that's what I told him. You got three years and then it's it's going on one of these shows. I'm gonna throw it out there. Oh wow. All right. Uh, well, I'll say this. I'm glad that I have a great co-host that I can be vulnerable with on air. Uh, and uh, that's a great segue, right? Uh, so what we're going to do is we're going to close this show out. But of course, we'll have our after show. Uh, I want to start off with uh, Anthony. How can we get you in social media? And um, um, uh, have you been working on any music or anything? I've not recently been working on any music. I'm actually... Uh making a career change not not necessarily musically but i'm uh in the midst of this COVID 19 has allowed me to come to a lot of realizations and uh, reveal different parts of myself that i had not been paying that much attention to so with that being said i am returning to the film industry nice um, all right and Very good. um in the next couple weeks actually probably by the end of this month i'll be heading out west so i'll be between arizona vegas and la like studio city north hollywood area okay um reconnected with some uh, film counterparts and being introduced to some new ones um, so as far as social media it will be woodshed pictures I spelled the woodshed spelled the, the correct way you'll see a I think a black and white house in, in the picture it's a bunch of my photography and stuff so um, in that I'll be starting up working on uh, actual principal photography for my documentary on black manhood um, so I've been conceptualizing that for the past like five years, but it's, I think it's now time for the rebel to meet the road and for me to go ahead and get the docu series underway. So, um, yeah, that's where that's happening. Music will be coming soon. All right, I can't um, wait. Um, but we're still working on some particulars to make sure we get all that situated. And and congrats to your brother. Uh, he oh, had yeah, some he, big he, news. He got engaged. Got right, engaged. And uh, and and uncongrats to you because I saw your your your, your post. <laughs> oh right, yeah, yeah. I, I lost the bet and people went crazy. Man. I people went crazy. <coughs> that was funny. Um, if you if you're not following him, you don't know what we're talking about. <laughs> uh, and uh, Brooklyn, how can we get you social media? And uh, do you have anything we should be on the lookout for? I am in the middle of writing a book. Nice. Okay. Um, it's about a man um, simultaneously dating three women. Autobiography. Um, 
MSRP 99% of PR tax sale and tags not included. Um, <laughs> <laughs> disclaimer. Uh, it's it's about a man simultaneously dating three flight attendants. Oh, nice. Okay. And how that how that how that works out, and trying to. You know, you're free to date as many people as you want initially, right. if you're being, and then how do, how you pare that down, and how you choose. Uh, not you, I, you, just proverbial, you. Um, anyway, so I'm working on that, and uh, maybe you can help me find a title for that. I'm still I'm still up in the air, Shannon. What you think? Three mile, three mile yeah. high club. <laughs> I'm still up in the air about the uh, the title three, on that three, one. Three mile high club. <laughs> I don't want you to be up three mile high and call it a club. <laughs> um. Oh, big happy birthday to Imani Williams, who is the great um, admin for the Black Artists Connected Writers Group. Uh, we love her. I haven't talked to her in in in, in forever. I got to give her a call, um, but um, I, I have to I have to say happy birthday to her. And I want to plug in right then and there how you remember her birthday, but you forgot mine. Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. she treats me nice always. I'm just saying. IJS. <laughs> oh, I, I, I didn't get to it. Um, my Instagram is king underscore underscore Brooklyn. My Twitter is at Brooklyn. PCB. Uh, my Facebook is Brooklyn Taylor. Um, I, uh, I'm on TikTok, but I don't use it. Uh, <laughs> that was in Brooklyn too. Uh, but yeah, it's great to be here. Appreciate seeing all of you. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure every every time we get together. Uh, for sure, man. For sure. Shannon, how can we get you? So first, let me say before you get me anywhere, um, thank you, Brooklyn and Anthony, for showing up. Um, Y'all don't know how important this is to me, this conversation, why I chose you two specifically. Um, Your authenticity, your vulnerability, your ability to um, articulate your feelings well, always show up on camera. It's not a production. You didn't brush up on a script that you read for an upcoming novel or movie. This is truly who you are um, presented live. And so that's why I asked you two on here. And so I hold space for you in your feeling, for you to feel however you need to feel in the moments of uncertainty, when cops want to pull you over, when people (laughs) feel you, as Anthony said, as Karen clutch their purses and don't nobody want that anyway. I have I have I have that happen all the time. It's like what would I want from you? No. And why why like there's a, there's spaces that it happens and you're like here? Yeah. You know, you're a guest here. You're getting you're getting escorted into where I work. Right. Why are you acting like we're in a dark alley? Right. <laughs> You're not even authorized to be where I'm authorized to be every day. But, you know, if they have nothing else, they have the audacity. Yep. Uh, Rock- it, is, it is the black man's burden to carry the pain of the white man's privilege. Robert says uh, you lived up to uh, the intro I gave you. <laughs> but back. 
<laughs> gentlemen so much for being here for being present for being totally and humbly yourself um we'll have to do this again so if y'all want to come on part two i will definitely receive you well um but you can catch me asleep because as soon as it's over i'm going to bed <laughs> but no, ig twitter and facebook shannon ford like the president ford like president hyphen jefferson like the president i am currently on sundays promoting Dismantling Daddy Dysfunctions and All the Men I Loved After Him, which will debut May 21st, 2021. It's counterpart, Marrying Mommy and All the and the Woman I Love, the Woman I Hate, and the Woman in the Mirror comes out August 14th, 2021. Oh, wow. Um, and I am working on some political activism, revolutionary stuff. Um, my cousins call me the little mini Angela Davis, but I'm showing up to hold space for people um, in many different platforms because it's so necessary and vital for our growth and our development as a people. So, thank you for everything. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Absolutely, man. Thank you. Yeah, Shannon. Uh, you can get me at Kente F on Twitter, Kente Ferguson on Instagram. Of course, the website is IndyRadio.org. That's I-N-D-Y-Radio.org. Remember, tomorrow night, Boogie is going to be on 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 Eastern. That's going to be a great show. Uh, Boogie, Boogie's been doing his thing. Uh, he's a, a rapper. He's an activist. He's a, a deep thinker. You guys, if you don't remember Boogie uh, from the Elephant Room with L.A. Wade, you'll, um, you, you'll love this cat. And Wednesday, we're going to be uh, talking with comedian uh, Inoje, uh, better known as Bish Funny. And uh, on Friday, we have Carlos Phoenix will be coming by. So we have a, a packed week. So with that said, uh, we stay tuned for the after show. You guys have a great rest of your week. Uh, and um, the uh, no, <laughs> uh, you guys have a great rest of your week. God bless. You're not recording. Were you? Did you stop recording a while ago? No, it just stopped.